0: Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. humans. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode of The Other Human in the Room. You've got the only human in the van again. It's been a while since I've done one of these, but I've had this idea for an episode brewing in my brain, and I just want to say it out loud. (laughs) So I'm recording it as I drive to work, and I hope you will excuse the background noise, but I this is something I actually talk about quite a bit in when I'm doing one on one coaching or workshops, work with residents, etc. but I think I have I haven't ever made an episode that was like specifically talking about it here on the podcast, so I want to like crystallize it into an episode. so the the main thing I want to talk about today is confidence, um, especially clinical confidence. This is something I used to struggle with a ton. I definitely still experience it, you know, wavering levels of confidence, you could say, depending on the day, depending on the situation, because I'm a human being. And that's just like a part of the deal. And it's something that I hear a lot from people, you know, folks who listen to my podcast, folks who are interested in coaching with me, it's a common theme of like, I wish I felt more Clinically confident. I wish I wasn't. By which, usually we all mean, I wish I wasn't always second guessing my decisions. I wish I, I wish I wasn't always like pulling them apart after the fact, worrying about them. You know, double, double thinking them, triple thinking them, going back and forth and back and forth. You know, so for some of us, we actually kind of get decision paralysis where we we delay even making the decision. So you're with the patient and you're like, you know, I just got to read about it and then I'll let you know. And suddenly it's a few days later, a few weeks later. And you you know, that inbox item, look up whatever random things on there. And you just have, you're in, you know, that procrastination, self-protective mode of like avoiding making the decision because it seems too hard. And then others of us, you know, perhaps we do that less, but we do instead, you know, we make a decision and, um, Then after the fact, we're like, was that the right one? I don't think that was the right one. Maybe we actually call the patient back and change our minds, or maybe we don't change our minds, but we're obsessively checking for the result or checking to see if they've gone to emerge, checking to see, oh no, did I make the right choice? Are they actually okay? Is this all going to go terribly? And many of us will have at least a couple cases, once in a blue moon, if not every week, depending on your level of this, you know, where you're lying awake at night, Picturing all the worst case scenarios, like oh my gosh, why did I prescribe that medication? What if they get this side effect? What if, what if it doesn't work and they get sicker? What if they die? You know, what if something terrible happens to them and they sue me or they complain to the college or, you know, their mother looks at me in the eye and says, "How could you have done this to my son?" Or like, sorry if this is triggering. I hope it's not. I I hope it's universal. Like I don't know if it's actually universal, but does it sound familiar? Because all of those I've experienced, all of those have been a part of my internal life. My <laughs> mental landscape has included those sorts of very not delightful, you know, nightmare horror movies that our brain plays about because we, well, we think what we're doing is, you know, worrying if we've made the right decision or questioning or our decision-making. And a lot of times then how we say it is like, I wish I was just more confident in my clinical decision-making. I wish I had more clinical confidence. Then I wouldn't be doing all of this worrying, then I wouldn't be doing all this procrastinating, like all these different things that can come out of clinical confidence. And I learned, um, so I wanted to share a sort of a core idea here Something um, that I learned in um, one of my certifications for coaching—it um, was the Life Coach School certification—and um, if you ever want like the full scoop on what I think about that certification, you can always message me, or I'll let you know. It's—it's it's nothing scandalous, but it—it's an interesting school with some interesting business practices, and they do teach some really helpful concepts. Like I've shared on here about the model, like that self-coaching model, I find that quite useful as a self-reflection tool. And then this other tool, I I also, it's not really a tool, it's just an idea um, that they teach you, which is about the different kinds of confidence. And I'm actually gonna tweak it a little bit from what they say, Um, but the general idea is the same. So the way I wanna share it with you is the idea like, first of all, there are different kinds of confidence. Um, And I think when it comes to clinical decision-making, two kinds of confidence are most relevant. So the first kind of confidence I'm going to call skill confidence. Um, And what I mean is the thing that we most think of, like when most people say, you know, say a, a new learner or a new grad approaches someone who's been working for a while and they're like, you know will it always feel this way I feel like I, I'm not confident in any of my decisions and the main advice we give which is true but not the full truth is yes with time and experience you will get more confident trust me you kind of just have to go through and see more stuff and have more experiences and really feel how it feels. And then you'll grow in your confidence because you'll have increased your skill level. You'll, you'll increase your, your skill confidence. In fact, actually, am I right now switching it? Maybe it's actually experience confidence. Oh, that's a mouthful though. I'm going to change it though. (laughs) Like I'm literally making up, um, in the original thing I learned at school, it was sort of like the difference between confidence and self-confidence. And I just like, I mean, to me that seemed a little confusing, but the same concept was the same where it's like the kind of experience confidence. So the confidence that comes from experience, from doing the same thing 50 times, like, you know, an Olympian may have a ton of confidence with their ability to play their sport because they have literally done those exact motions with their body Bajillions of times, and so they have. It's like an embodied, physical, you know, somatic confidence of like, trust me, I've got this. This is as easy to me as breathing because it like lives in your body. That's real, and that's a very important kind of confidence. Is this experience confidence? And so, I'm not going to take away from that. That's a very important one, and um, something that you'll you'll probably notice. So one thing to remember about that though that's still helpful is we often we have this thing you know the dunning-kruger effect so like as soon as we become skilled at something as soon as we have enough experience to gain that experience confidence in something we immediately just default that as if that's not impressive or that's not something to be celebrated that's not something that we're going to use as evidence that we are capable in the world (laughs) so it's like you know you spend all this time struggling to learn your multiplication tables but then as soon as they're in you you're like oh that's fine that's normal anyone would do that and same with like medicine like so many people come to me like I don't think I'm competent and then you like ask them to describe their day and they do a bunch of stuff every day and they do it without thinking they you know assess patients they make diagnoses they you know prescribe medications they tend to their patients they make 50 billion decisions per day and they're like oh but none of that counts that's like baseline that's like basic that's not competence like you know and so they're putting down and, and negating all the experience that they've had, all of the experience that they've gained and the knowledge and skill that they've gained through experience and not allowing that to be something they use as a way to view themselves with confidence. You know, like I met up with a friend who's a surgeon and I am not a surgeon, I'm a family physician. And it's so fascinating how she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, just like tying people together all day. And for her, I don't know her internal world. This isn't about her per se. Like, I hope she thinks every day, like, God, I tie people together every day. That's incredible. I'm not going to put myself down. I'm not going to say, even though maybe there's a new skill that I've now learned I could learn, or, you know, maybe there's another portion of medicine that's not in my typical day that I want to expand to, I'm not going to say that I'm not smart or that I'm not capable or that I am less than or deficient in some way. Hello, I could tie people together all day. <laughs> like, what are we saying? You know? And so that piece, so first of all, like when people say, I don't have confidence, one of the things they are definitely doing is is diminishing, minimizing, negating, forgetting all of the experiential experience confidence that they already have access to. If they gave themselves credit, if you who are listening simply gave yourself credit for what you already know, for what you already have, just as like reflex default, easy peasy, anyone can do it. And I'm no one one special. (laughs) Like that whole thing, if we instead said, oh my gosh, I practiced that skill so many times that it feels like nothing to me. I, I just know the doses of, do you want to make a list? How many medications do you just offhand know the dose of? Like, I often have a story in my brain that I'm like not good at remembering numbers, not good at remembering names, not good at remembering doses. But I bet if I made a list, it's probably over a hundred. I don't know. I should make that list. Do you want to make that list with me? Like, because it's like, oh, but that one's easy. Oh, but everyone knows that one. But I forgot this other one. I want to tell you the evidence of what I forgot, the 101st medication that I haven't prescribed in five years. And I couldn't remember the dose of that and I had to look it up. And I want to use that as evidence that I shouldn't be confident in my knowledge. That's optional. We could be really practicing feeling confident about our skills and our knowledge through our past experiences and use our past experiences as evidence of why we can feel good about what we already know anyway. And so that's the first half of how you could build confidence is really just like rewriting the story and and frankly, seeing your, your past with more accuracy in terms of how much you already have done and learned and accomplished, I say with air quotes, like, but just, you know, what do you want to feel good about that you already know that you already can do that's already enough? Because so much of this lack of confidence stuff is because we think we always have to put the bar higher enough in order to hustle to feel enough. But like confidence is believing you're enough. Like that's sort of the bottom line of what confidence is. It's it's self-worth, it's self esteem, it's self-regard, it's self-love. And one way to do that is to just tell the truth about what you have already done with your life and what you already know as a result. Because when you have that kind of abundant mindset and now you're hitting a new situation where maybe you know 75% of what's happening, And then there's 25%. That's a bit of a mystery. There's something new about it, or it's something you haven't seen in a while, or, or you're aware there's new guidelines in here. You are, you haven't brushed up on them, whatever it is. Our brains, because we're so, we have that negativity bias because they're trying to keep us safe. They're going to focus on that 25% and then panic and be like, I can't make a confident decision here. I don't know that 25%, but something incredible happens when you train your brain just through repetition, just by practicing by saying, what do I already know about this situation? What here actually already is familiar? I've spoken to this person before, or I've spoken to a person before. I am aware where of where all their organs are, like starting really basic. I am aware of if their vitals are stable or unstable, like, you know, really basic building up building the confidence that's just actually naturally accessible to you of everything that 75% that you already know about a situation. And when you come to it from that place, then when you get to the other 25%, you're like, I've learned a thing before. I've been in unfamiliar situations before. Okay, so maybe I've got this. And then you you jump into the 25%, right? So I would say all of that is what I call the first kind of confidence, which is looking at your past experiences and building confidence by practicing over time. Now there's a second kind of confidence, which both Life Coach School and I call self-confidence. So, The first one was like experiential confidence, so from your past experiences. This is self-confidence, which is just the belief in yourself as a person, irrespective of if you've ever done something before. Now we all have this kind of confidence too, we must have in order to have like lived a life because we are learning new skills all the time. Like the first time you picked up a smartphone and you'd never used a smartphone before. And yet you had enough self-confidence apparently to figure out how to use it. And obviously that particular device is also designed to train you, but like still you had to believe in yourself, even though you'd never done this same before, like pick up a weird shaped screen that's somehow your phone and you learned how to use it. There was a time when you were a toddler and you'd only ever crawled or bum shuffled or however you moved around the world your entire life and your internal programming your internal sense of self was strong enough that you knew time to start practicing this walking thing like it's kind of wild that we ever do it right some of us really lose touch with the fact that we have that within ourselves in, in our later life, we, we don't have that same sort of audacity we had when we were toddlers and wobbling and falling and banging ourselves everywhere. We get afraid of failing in a way that doesn't serve us. And so in these clinical you know decisions, so say you're in a clinical scenario that you've never been in before, um, or so your brain perceives. The first thing we do is remember all the ways that you have been in a similar situation before. And for the new thing, so it's a new, it's a new symptom you've never experienced before, or the way that the patient's presenting to you, um, is different from before, or this seems like a very common symptom or a common presentation. And the first three things you've tried to your dismay have not been successful. So, you know, you're getting into these zones where it's like, uh Oh, I'm not sure if I know what happens next. Or even more commonly, you actually absolutely know what you do in a regular situation, but you're either down on yourself this day and you've lost track of your self-confidence or something about how the patient's speaking. Either they, they, they're coming off to you as more aggressive or more arrogant or like they're incredibly anxious themselves and fearful. And what you're sort of perceiving in them is that they don't believe in you yet. And then now that means you've just got to believe in yourself all on your own. Sometimes a lot of us are borrowing our belief in our patients um, and thinking that that's the same thing as us having self-confidence and believing in ourselves. And you know, that's a beautiful thing, but really, especially in those cases where the other person's like super not believing in us or very skeptical of us, maybe skeptical of doctors all around or whatever, those are the the cases where you get to really practice some solid self-confidence where it's like, okay, this person doesn't believe in me okay, I've never done this thing before. I have no evidence in this particular situation to, to draw on maybe, or the evidence I have, I'm realizing there's a gap because truly I've never prescribed this medication before, or I've never seen this presentation before. I remember reading in a book once a million years ago, but I've never done this procedure any before, like whatever the case may be. That's where we have to also connect to our self-confidence, which is, is just our belief in ourself. Now, the thing that often people think, what I mean by that is like, belief that it's gonna go well, or think belief that you're gonna do it well. But that's not what self-confidence really is. Self-confidence is about belief in how you will treat yourself no matter what happens next. How or if you will stay with yourself no matter what happens next. And this second kind of confidence is is well worth practicing. You don't need the first kind of confidence nearly as much as you think you do, especially if you really cultivate and develop the beauty of this second kind of confidence, which is belief that you will be with yourself, you will be kind to yourself, you will stay with yourself, you will continue to deepen a loving relationship with yourself no matter what happens out of this decision. It makes every decision way less drama-filled. So say you have a choice, and you're like, which medication should I choose? And you choose medication A, for some solid good reason that makes sense to you in the moment, but your brain starts beating you up about it, saying you should have chosen B, you should have chosen X. You should have referred to Y. You should have sent them to emerge. You should have not sent them to emerge, like whatever the case may be. Really what your brain is doing when it's doing all that is telling you, you can't handle the consequences if you've chosen wrong. That's why we spend all this time picturing, oh my gosh, what if they die? What if they sue me? All these things. And we're picturing the painful emotions and painful experience of living through that future situation. If we practice self-confidence, the way that looks is me saying, I hear you, brain. Yes, this medication has a risk of a dangerous side effect, or, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Frankly, like literally anything could happen to this patient, including things that are a direct consequence of me prescribing this medication. So if those things happen, so say this person has a horrible, life-threatening side effect to the medication I prescribed, because that might happen, because anything could happen, frankly, including that. What do I want to make that mean about me? What do I want to make that mean about my skills? How do I want to treat myself? Do I want to be a friend to myself? If that thing happens, it's different than thinking it's going to happen and then preparing for it in a way that, I mean, no one's a fortune teller. Why are we preparing ourselves for anything? Much less a very unlikely scenario. But have you noticed when you try and be like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. No, 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 that's not likely. Like that doesn't work very well because honestly, none of us know the future and rare wild things happen all the time. <laughs> so instead I found the most effective thing. So when I'm faced with a decision and, you know, I recognize there's a component of it that I'm not certain of, which frankly is every decision we make none of us are certain of the future. So that means none of us are making 100% certain decisions where I'm like, I know with 100% confidence, if I give you this medication, this is going to be the result. If anyone's walking around thinking that, I'm concerned for them. Because honestly, anything could go wrong for a very, like a lightning (laughs) strike, right? Like who knows, right? Like so many random things happen. So what we do is we say, so when our brains are like, "I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We recognize what we're really saying is we're having trouble connecting and trusting ourselves. So we say, "Okay, brain. What seems like a good decision I'd like to do." A little hack I often say is like, "What would a confident clinician do in the situation?" And often one or two choices present themselves, and then out of those, I often will just say, "Like, what feels good to do? What makes sense? What's a solid choice that I'd like to do?" And I just go with that one. And then when my brain starts up and says, "But what if that was the wrong one? What da 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 da? What da 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 da? You know." The first thing I do is even if this was the, a choice that has unexpected, unintended, undesired consequences, even if it turns out another medicine would have helped them more, I choose to practice loving myself, taking care of myself, staying my own good friend in the situation, being with myself through this, feeling all the feelings through it. I can do all of that. So this what if is not needed because I know no matter what, I will stay good and true to myself, period. And then beyond that, if that's what happens, maybe I'll learn something. Because I will have stayed true and confident in myself, which I really mean is like self-love, like I will continue to love myself through the pain of an undesired outcome, When, you know, obviously I prescribed the medication hoping it would have outcome A, it has had outcome B. I now see, you know, that for this patient, for whatever reason, you know, that's what the result has been. And that's it. (laughs) Period. That's sort of the end of the sentence, you know? So what would happen for you? So when you're faced with those kinds of decisions where you notice you are like either delaying actually making them and going, well, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. And you just say, yes, it could be any of those things. You There's infinite choices for any situation. Sometimes that's a good thing. So then you're just like, it's kind of free. It's like, okay, apparently I could choose whatever I want. If that's the case, what seems like a solid choice? What would I desire to do? What seems like a, a, a something that feels good to me? What's something that the patient is willing to do, frankly, right? Like whatever it is, you know? So if we're doing that, um, and then we make our choice and then afterwards our brain's like, yeah, but what if this happens? What if that one happened? What if that happens? Like that whole process, like at each step, remembering the only thing I'm actually afraid of is the feelings I will feel and the way I will treat myself if I make the wrong choice. And the good news is I get to decide how I feel my feelings and how I treat myself if I make the wrong choice, I'm putting wrong in quotes, but do you know what I mean? Like the one that didn't have the desired outcome. So if you're getting all swirly about a decision, here are some practical things, just to summarize, here are some practical things you can do. If you're swirly about the decision, you actually can't even see any options. One thing you can ask yourself is what would a confident clinician do in this situation and see what emerges? The second thing you can do is what will feel good? What feels like a good choice? Like, just like it feels good in my body to think about doing it. It feels solid. It feels like something that I can kind of get my feet under. And then you choose that thing. If you're really feeling a lot of resistance and anxiety and double thinking and second guessing about doing that thing, you sit with yourself and say, whatever I choose, I can promise myself now that I will stay with myself and feel any feeling that comes up no matter what the outcome of this decision is. And I, and I promise to myself to treat myself well no matter what the decision is. I make good decisions, this decision will be a good decision irregardless of the outcome. I will either learn that this decision matched what the situation need or I will learn that this decision didn't quite match. I will learn more about the situation and then I will make another decision. Right? So that you can kind of say that to yourself to get to yourself to the point of making the decision. And then when your brain wants to do like the Monday morning quarterbacking, second guessing back and forth, after you've made the choice, same thing, you say, Hey brain, Hey self, Hey body. I know you're scared. Tell me what you're afraid of. Tell me your worst case scenario and let your your brain and body speak it out. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I hear you. I will be with you even if those things happen. I will feel those feelings with you. Even if those things happen, I am with you now, as you're feeling these hard feelings, we can do this together. I trust you. We have this, we've got this, you know, the process of doing that is the process of gaining back your self confidence. We were born with it. Remember as toddlers, we got up and started walking for no good reason which means this is about re-accessing a store of self-belief, self-confidence, self-love that we've always actually had access to. But society and our past experiences have often told us to not believe in. We have been undermined in this self-belief, this self-confidence by the outside world, but the good news is we can take it back. So there you go. Those are the two kinds of confidence that Especially when you put them together, I think can get you through any sticky clinical situation, honestly. (laughs) And so just to reiterate, the first kind is experiential confidence. I've called it like three things because (laughs) I like making up names for things and and honing the names if you can't tell. That experiential confidence of if I practice this enough, it will live in my bones. It will be an embodied kind of confidence because I've done it so many times. And that will sort of help build your confidence in, in terms of specific skills. So the 50th time you've done a punch biopsy, if you're a family physician like me and you do punch biopsies, it will feel, you know, more easy. There'll be less unknown variables. And so that kind of confidence is well worth building. And you don't have to wait to have that kind of confidence to feel good about yourself and feel confidence in yourself because you always have access, access to self confidence self loving confidence the confidence that says this is not about my capability or skill or ability this is about my relationship with myself my connection to myself do i have a loving connection to myself or is that something i want to work towards you know um yeah so i hope that's helpful for you when you are lying awake at night sometime this week or if you're stuck you know noticing you've got that task in your inbox and you keep avoiding it because you think, I don't think I know what to do with that one. What if you did know what to do? What if you did know what to do because of A, all the past experiences when you have definitely made 50 billion bajillion choices just like this one. And what if you did know what to do because no matter what you choose, you're going to stay open and loving towards yourself, learn from whatever happens next and then make a different decision the next time around. I hope this was helpful for you. And I hope it it was audible enough. And um, I'm rooting for you. May you find both of these sources of confidence really enriching and um, nourishing to you as you go through your week in healthcare. I would love to take this work deeper with you visit joanchanmd.com today and discover my growing menu of options for restorative medical education to suit your learning needs i offer one-on-one coaching customized workshops and self-study courses that allow you to connect not only with my work on a deeper level but also with other healthcare humans just like you so if you want to start humanizing your work and healthcare to a deeper level and do it in community with others please visit joanchanmd.com and find those options and what fits you and your life today